the more you give and help others and serve other people, the more you're going to get what you want. That's fellow podcaster and lifestyle entrepreneur Lewis Howes. And this is episode 189 of the Rich Roll Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey, you guys, what's going on? What's happening? It is your friendly neighborhood, Rich Roll. I am the host of this podcast that you are tuning into, which I appreciate very much. What do we do here? Well, this is the podcast where I sit down with the outliers, the big forward thinkers, people that are moving mountains, who are advocating for positive paradigm-breaking culture change across all categories of health, fitness, entrepreneurship, sustainability, basically a wide variety of topics and personalities, people that just inspire me, that educate me, that captivate me, uh, whose message I want to help share. And I do this to help all of us, myself included, of course, unlock and unleash our best, most authentic selves, which I think we all owe to ourselves, do we not? Uh, So thanks so much for subscribing to the show, you guys. I really appreciate it. I appreciate everybody who has given us a review on iTunes. If you haven't done that, take a moment to do so. We greatly appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. And you know what really helps us out a lot? When you guys use the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. There's a banner ad right there on the main podcast page. We have one for the US, one for the UK. Uh, You click on it, takes you over to Amazon, you buy whatever you're gonna buy, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Amazon kicks us some loose commission change, and it's really just a great free way to support the mission, to put your stamp of approval on what we're doing over here. Uh, If you listen to the show, then you know that the other day I had Gabor Mate on the show, and I traveled all the way to Vancouver uh, just to interview him. Uh, And that trip was made possible basically because of your support, because of you guys using the Amazon banner ad. Uh, And I really appreciate it. And I want to be able to continue to do that. Uh, And the way that I can do that is by you guys uh, helping me out by doing your Amazon shopping via the richroll.com podcast banner ad. Uh, So thank you so much. It really does help us out a lot. So today on the show, it's all about my friend Lewis Howes, fellow podcaster, host of the School of Greatness podcast, probably some overlap in our audiences. There's probably some people that listen to me that also listen to his show. Uh, And he's got a new book that came out this week titled The School of Greatness, of course. And we're going to get into all of that in a minute. Uh, But first... We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics. And just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in Fleetfoot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. 
from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic Fairtrade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health, from fermented food to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based, and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue, and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily, personally, for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now, for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. All right, today's show. So, Lewis Howes. Uh, Lewis is a guy I met early in my podcast career. He came on the show on episode 23. We did each other's programs. We were both pretty new to the podcasting world at the time. I think I started maybe a couple months before him. Uh, and for more on his basic background and life story, you might want to check out that episode. Again, it's episode 23. We kind of go into his whole origin story, so to speak. Anyway, uh, I immediately like the guy. He's incredibly warm and giving and grounded. Uh, he's happy. He exudes gratitude. And he's got this like little spark or glimmer in his eye. And we immediately became friends. Uh, and we stayed in touch. And we've been 
a source of mutual support for each other throughout our kind of podcast uh, careers and experience. Uh, he calls himself a lifestyle entrepreneur. Uh, I know that's kind of a weird word. I mean, what does that really mean exactly? I think people throw around these kind of titles for what they do very cavalierly. But I would say that Lewis really is that. Uh, quickly to kind of recap his background. Uh, after an injury ended his career in football, uh, he was aimless for some time and he was seeking for inspiration while he was kind of camping out on his sister's couch in Ohio. Uh, and he began to seek out mentors. Uh, and with each mentor that came into his life who kind of uh, provided him with some wisdom and some tools, he started applying this knowledge base uh, that came from these people that he respected and the football coaches that he'd had over the years and ultimately ended up building a very successful online business, uh, working today as a business coach, a speaker, a podcast host, and, and now an author. Uh, he shares much of what he has learned and continues to learn through his podcast, which, much like mine, uh, although perhaps a little bit more entrepreneurship-focused, is an interview-based show where he probes the minds of all kinds of people and experts, uh, basically people that have inspired him in various ways. And now he has taken the best of what he has learned on his journey uh, and leveraging the wisdom of his podcast guests, has put together all of it in a new book that came out this week called The School of Greatness. In fact, as I'm sitting here recording this, it is Tuesday, October 27th. Today is the day that it, that it, uh, that it came out, which is very excited for him, very exciting for him. Uh, and I'm excited for him. Uh, the book is basically a primer on how to cultivate and better manifest your own internal greatness. Uh, and on a personal note, I'm very honored that he actually included me in his book. I'm essentially the primary subject of chapter five, which is entitled Master Your Body. So that's super cool, right? It's, it's pretty touching that he would uh, include me uh, so voluminously uh, in this book that I think you're probably going to start seeing everywhere in airports and Barnes and Noble, wherever you turn, because he's quite the marketer. And I think it's going to be a media explosion of Lewis over the next couple of weeks. In any event, the book is a fun, easy and informative read that <clears throat> not only inspires, but it also provides some great practical uh, tools and actionable lessons and exercises and resources to really help you uh, reach your potential, to create vision and to use dedication, mindfulness, and perhaps even more importantly, joy, gratitude and love to reach these goals. But more than all of that uh, is really just Lewis himself. And contrary to kind of the stereotypical uh, type A entrepreneur, football player type guy, Lewis is just incredibly warm and giving. And with me, he's always been quick with encouragement, support, and honesty. And he's a guy with quite a bit of integrity. So I'm proud and honored uh, and excited to share this conversation with him, with you guys today. So let's dive in. Let's audit a class with Professor Lewis Howes of the School of Greatness, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Back together again. Yes. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. I was uh, reflecting on the uh, history of our relationship. We first met when we were both uh, newbie podcasters. Yeah, where did we first meet? What was the first meeting? There was a, another podcaster out there that introduced us, I think, Who online. Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, the guy from Canada. What's his name? Now I feel terrible that I can't remember his name. Amir? No, not Amir. No. Um, um, I think we were just we were introduced via email. I think you had done uh, this guy's show, and he had emailed me. And another said, podcaster, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should meet this from guy. Canada. Um, Mark Fit? 
Now I no. feel like we need to stop because he's going <laughs> to listen to this. <laughs> wow, I can't remember this. We'll have to check our email inbox. And yeah, see. yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 and he was like, you got to check this guy out. And he's in L.A., um, huh. So we hooked up, and then uh, I think we both maybe had had I don't know twenty episodes in the can. I think I started, started a little before bit before me, you, but not that me. long. Like yeah. now, looking back, it's like we basically started at the same time. Yeah. But but then it was like, like well, way ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like, man, your numbers are uh-huh. crazy. <laughs> uh, and uh, and and uh, you came on my show. I did your show early days, uh, yeah. and that sparked a friendship. And then uh, you recently had me on again, and now I'm having yeah. you on again, man. Yeah. So it's good to see you. Good to see you. I appreciate it. It's always a, a pleasure to come over and hang out with you. Um, and I just, uh, I wanted to say I really enjoyed your episode with Casey Neistat that you just put up. Thanks. I thought you did a really good job Thanks. with that. Well, thanks for the introduction. Yeah, he's yeah. a he's a super cool guy. Man. Very cool so guy. Hope your listeners uh, enjoyed that. Um, <clears throat> and we have so many things to talk about. I want to talk about podcasting. Of course, I want to talk about the new book, The School of Greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into the book, though, I thought it would be cool to kind of, you know, I'm interested because, like, I do what you do, sort of. Like, uh-huh. I want to I wanna understand, I want to talk a little bit about, like, you know, what your experience has been uh, over the course of the last couple of years of, of doing this podcast. Like, it's been quite a journey for you. It's been amazing, man. I mean, it's uh, it started off as just like a hobby because I was, <clears throat> I moved to L.A. for a girl that didn't work out. And I remember being, like, upset. I wanted to move back to New York. But I was like, let me just stick it out and see what happens. And I remember asking Derek Halpern and Pat Flynn uh, and a few other people, I was like, what are the biggest traffic generators and lead generators for you in your business right now? And Pat and Derek had said, you know, their podcasts were just taking off and like the amount of engagement they were getting and the opt-ins. I was like, I'm in transition. I sold a company, you know, I'm single, I'm in this new city. And I realized that everyone is stuck in traffic in LA for like Mm -hmm. hours. And I was like, I think I could do this. If these guys can do it, I could do it. So it started off as a hobby once a week. And within like the first month or two, people just started really connecting with it. And they were like, we, they like resonated and sent me long emails about how it's like changing the way they think. And I was like, maybe there's something here. Mm-hmm. And so I committed that first year to one episode a week. Cause I think that was just what people were doing. They're like, Oh, you gotta be consistent once right. a week. So I did that. Then people were like, we want more. You know, we listen to it on Mondays, and then we got to listen to something else for the next six days. I said, okay, I'll do twice a week the second year. And I did that, and that was a lot. Uh Two interviews a week is a lot. Yeah, I just started doing two a week uh, maybe three or four months ago. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, man. I don't know how some of these guys... I have some sustainability, uh, you know, questions about it. Because you want to be... You want to have high quality. You want to be able to be present, Mm -hmm. great production value, so... And you don't want to just get anyone on. You want to have great guests. Yeah, once you set the bar at a certain place, like, you know, finding people to come on, it no longer becomes, once, once the show reaches a certain, you know, audience level, then, you know, getting people to come on is not a problem. No. But, but getting the right people, the people that are going to, you know, be consi- keep the bar at the level that you want to keep exactly. it, becomes a thing that's always like, you're, you always got to chase that. You know? Exactly. Yeah, so I did it twice a week the second year, and then... People were like, we want more. And I was like, I don't know how much more I can give you right now. It's expensive. You know, I started to do some video stuff. And, and so I was like, okay, I'll do it three times a week. I'll do two fuller episodes on Mondays and Wednesdays. And on Friday, I'll do like a five-minute inspirational message. Um, and I had no clue how those would do. But now someone tweeted me this morning saying, I wake up on Fridays 
for Lewis Howes' Five Minute Friday episodes. Mm. Like that's what I wake up for. Yeah, that's cool. I was like, okay, cool. They don't get as much as the fuller length ones, but they do pretty well and they inspire people. And right, that's three a at. week, man. So three how many you've got? You're in the two hundreds now on episodes, right? Twenty two as of yeah time we're doing this wow so i started before you but i'm on like 173 or something like that yeah man (laughs) it's you know that's a lot man we'll see how i can sustain it it's interesting because i'm in the middle of this book launch right now so i'm doing so many other people's podcasts and i'm doing this whole virtual summit which is 30 interviews that are Mm. you know a lot of energy to like prepare and interview people and be present and then i'm doing three episodes a week for my own show so it's just nonstop That's interviews crazy. right now, and uh, it's a lot of fun. But I'm gonna be excited when the book launch is over, so, you know, because it's you like to get back rest. to normal schedule. You know? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a lot of energy. Like, uh, you know, I can't do more than one podcast interview a day. Like, I'm I'm right. drained, you know, because like to hold your attention, to be present, to listen, mm-hmm. to like be engaged. You know, it's a it's a lot of energy it output, is. and then to go back and then. You got to get it up online and edit it, you know, it's a whole thing. So um, how is the video aspect of it working out for you? Because there's a lot of people, you know, (coughs) telling me like, why aren't you doing video? You should do video. I think you should do video actually. It's been, uh, it's a lot more money. I mean, here's the thing. Jonathan Fields, who I think you know as well, Mm -hmm. you've had him on your show, I think. You know, he did a video show for a while, a year or two, and it was just like a lot of money, a lot of energy. And he realized he switched to just audio and he's getting more downloads and better engagement, I think, now. Um, so it's kind of like, it's tough to solidify it and see if like, that's really going to be a difference maker for you. I started doing video when I had Tony Robbins on, I had this interview and I was like, I just have to have a video crew there. Mm -hmm. So I put it on YouTube and the response went through, uh, through the, through the roof. And I was like, okay, well I'll do video just for bigger guests. Like Mm -hmm. if I get some bigger celebs, I feel like I have to have video to add more value to my credibility, my brand, to create content on my YouTube channel to use for Instagram and just like to use on Facebook as well because Facebook native video is blowing up. Right. So I was like, I can use it for all these different things and it's proven to be like beneficial, very beneficial, but just sometimes the videos get like 2,000 views and you're like, okay, was that worth spending 500 bucks and the whole the whole setup to do that? So. Yeah, it's an interesting um, <clears throat> equation to solve and we were talking a little bit about this before the podcast began, but you know, kind of when you look at at like what Casey Neistat's doing, and of course, you know, his videos are are you know unparalleled in their quality. Um, but the level of engagement that you can get when you really hit a chord on video doesn't compare to audio. You know, there's right, a, there's right. a connection uh, that people can make to the moving image that yes. uh, that 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 maybe is a little bit more difficult when it's just audio. But yeah. it becomes a whole different thing. The challenge is though, people don't have an you know, 30 to 60 minutes to listen, watch a video. Yeah. Very few people can focus for that long. So the audio is great because people listen to us in the car when they're working out, when they're cooking food. So that's the thing that's cool about audio. I think that's different and has a, an advantage over video. Yeah. Unless you're doing like little five minute segments on video like Casey does, it's tough to stay focused for an hour. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm thinking about like, but then Joe Rogan does it, it too for three hours and people watch it. So I don't understand. You know, that's great. Depends. I know that's amazing. Right. And, and it's not like a high quality video. No. It's like a live stream, yes. like, you know, sort of low resolution yes. thing. And the fact that people watch that is yeah, amazing, but they do. So, so you I think know, it depends. We're all just learning. So, yeah. <laughs> in, in, you know, in the in the kind of vein of learning, like what, 
you know, what has the podcast done for you? I mean, outside of like marketing and all, you know, whatever, building a brand, like yeah. just interpersonally, like the experience of of having the opportunity to sit down with all the people that inspire you. Yeah. I mean, it's a very privileged position that, you know, I find myself in and I know you do yeah. to be able to pick up the phone and call somebody that you think is super cool and hoodwink them into sitting down with you and talking to you exactly, and answering man. all your questions. And then becoming friends with them later. Yeah, it's really an amazing thing that has enriched my life in, in ways that I can't even begin to articulate. So I'm interested in how yeah. that's been for you. It's been the best relationship builder ever because you're getting people on, you're allowing them to share what matters most to them, and then you're promoting that message to the world. I don't know if there's a better gift you can give someone, especially if you have a platform. And if you can help them with, uh, you know, if they have a book or a movie coming out or whatever it is and you can help them with their their goals as well. It's like the greatest relationship builder. The key to success in life is relationships. So we're doing something really powerful mm-hmm. to add value to other people. And uh, the the things that come from it, the intangibles, it's like you never expect some of these things. Like I had a guy on, I was telling you a few weeks ago and then he was just like, you know, he sold a company for $800 million. And he was just like, Hey, how can I help you? And I was like, well, I've got a book coming out. Is there any way you can buy like some copies in bulk? And he was like, sure. Let me, let me buy 500 copies and, uh, I'll give them all to charity. I was like, awesome. It's like, you just never know what's going to happen from the relationship. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I think, you know, relationships are at the core of kind of, you know, who you are and what you're about. Yes. I mean, you're very much, uh, you know, someone that, that Malcolm Gladwell would call a connector. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's and, my I, skill. and I've been able to, you know, notice how you, how you kind of manage your relationships just based on our relationship and, 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 you know, mutual friends that we mm-hmm. have and, and how you kind of treat and, and really cherish those relationships. Yeah. And, and I think it brings up something really interesting to me, um, to talk about that maybe, you know, some of the people that, that follow you might not even know, which is, um, you really approach your friendships from a place of service yeah. and giving, you know, and I think, you know, just with respect to like our relationship, it would be very easy to go, well, Rich's show is, you know, we do, it's a little bit different, but it's kind of the same. Mm-hmm. You know, we're both kind of in the same category yeah. and, and we are in the health iTunes, category. Yeah, yeah. You know? and it's like, <laughs> this guy is my spots. competitor, <laughs> you know, like who's ahead of who and, and, and get into kind of a zero sum game yeah. mindset yeah. about like, you know, well, who does Rich have on and who does Lewis have right, on? Right. And like, you know, I got to get ahead, whatever. But that's never been our relationship. No. Like we freely share, you know, guests. Mm-hmm. And if I come across somebody that I think is cool, like I think I just emailed you a couple days yeah, yeah, about yeah. William McCaskill. I was like, you should have this guy on. He'd be great. I just What's his him. book name again? It's called Doing Good Better. Yeah, I have his book. I was like read. His book is on my assistant's shelf right there, and I saw the name. I was like, I think Rich just introduced me to this guy, but yeah. we have his book. He's so, amazing. You yeah, know? I'll probably and, have him on I there. That, <laughs> and it was, it's, it's like, you know, on, on the tip that you were just saying about like having guests on and, and being in that privileged position of being able to help them mm-hmm. by exposing, you know, what they're doing to your audience, you know, he's like, He's like, you know, who other, who else, you know, what other podcast should I right. do? How, you know, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll connect you with Lewis. I'll connect, you know, like they're like, it feels yeah. good to be yeah, able exactly. to say, I can help this guy. Yeah. Um, and, and that's always been our relationship. Like I yeah. don't feel competitive with you at all. No. And I feel like there's, <laughs> there's certainly room for both of us and there's some overlap and, you know, yeah. our audiences are somewhat different. But um, to the extent that I can help you, I know that, you know, we're all just helping ourselves. Of course. Yeah. You know, and that's a, that's a cool 
um, mindset to be in. Right. But I think it's um, counterintuitive to how most people function and operate. So yeah. I'm interested in kind of how you, you know, how you conceptualize that in, 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 you know, the relationships that you have. Yeah. For me, you know, I don't know. I think I used to be a lot, I think a lot differently about competition and about making introductions for people earlier in my career because I, I wanted to have the advantage. But then something shifted where I was like, there's so much abundance in the world. And if I introduce you to one of my guests who's on my show or whatever, it's only going to add value to you. And it's going to add value to me as well because you're going to see that I'm giving you something constantly and constantly looking out for you. And one day you're going to want to have me back on your show to help me promote whatever I'm doing. And so it's just going to constantly come back. If I give, I just know it's going to come back somewhere, whether it's through you or somewhere else, it comes back. Was there something that happened though that caused you to have that realization? I think it's just the more I started researching, it was when I was like trying to make money. Uh, the more I started researching like the most successful, wealthiest people, they talked about how the key to making more money is really giving more money away. And like the more you give and help others and serve other people, the more you're going to get what you want. And I just like, it was hard to think about that because when I was broke, I was like, all I wanted to do was save the money and like keep it to myself. So I was like, I don't want to, I don't have money to give to other people or to like mm -hmm. give to charities or help other people. I need to like help myself. But they kept emphasizing, even it's just a little bit here and there, like the more you practice giving and giving away what you make, uh, and that's also your skills, your value, your time, the more it's going to come back to you and abundantly 10 to 100 times more. Right. And so once I started practice, practicing it, as opposed to being like scared of giving people like my ideas or tips or connections, instead of being scared about it, I just freely gave it. And I realized, this was when I was like writing like my LinkedIn book, and I realized that it's more important to be the champion of everyone's network than to have all those relationships only to yourself. So I'd rather introduce you to my entire network and make you a multimillionaire then try to just hold them to myself and make you work hard on your own because when you get to the top you're going to want to bring me with you mm -hmm. and if you're the champion of everyone's network every influencer's network if you're that champion who always gives them what they need makes the introduction to help them with their salesperson they need or a designer or a new coo or whatever it may be if you're the one connecting them to the solution of their life they will be the solution for you at any time as mm -hmm. well and that's yeah and i love it and i've seen you practice that time yeah. and time again and and that's helped me too because i understand that intellectually and i practice yeah. it whenever i can but then there's always that moment where you're like yeah but do i really want to yeah, maybe that <laughs> one's here's just, the thing. maybe that one's just for me and now <laughs> now there's discernment like i have discernment with certain people like if i feel like someone's just a taker and they're like mm -hmm. they talk bad about me behind my back or i feel like there's just weird energy with them I'm probably not going to go out of my way to make in, make introductions or like serve them in the biggest way because there's other people who are nicer, who are up to bigger things, who have great values that I want to serve. So I'm like kind of choosy with who I serve in that level where I'm going to go out of my way. Um, so I'm not just like giving to everyone all the time. Yeah, know? well, that's about healthy boundaries, exactly. right? Yeah, and being yeah. conscious of the company that you keep. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And and you keep some pretty amazing company, you yeah. know, and you've been able to cultivate some pretty amazing relationships with, you know, a lot of influential, you know, people out there, yes. tastemakers and, and the like. And some of that is through the podcast, but, but yeah. some of that isn't, no. right? Like, you know, from a guy who is, you know, sort of couch surfing and sleeping in your sister's mm -hmm. house and, Ohio to, you know, kind of being on speed dial with Gary V and all right. these kinds of people that are kind of movers and shakers in this, you know, internet landscape that we yeah. live in. 
um, you know, how did you kind of claw your way to that place? Man, you know, it was finding, like, you know, Gary, this is an example since you brought him up, like since 2009, I've been serving him in the biggest ways. You know, he came to Ohio to do a, a book signing event and I like brought the whole community out and like drove him around wherever he needed to go and just like built it there. And then when he came out with his first book, I think I sold like 500 copies for him or 800 copies for him or something like that uh, from doing a webinar. And then when he had his next book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, I sold 10,000 pre-orders for him. Wow. I had three relationships. I was like, how can I help you sell this book? And he was like, I'll do speaking gigs for this amount if you can get speaking gigs to trade for books. And I was like, done. Within like three weeks, I had 10,000 pre-orders for him wow. from three relationships of event planners that I built relationships with for years and just became friends with and said, hey, you can get Gary right now if you buy this many books mm -hmm. and made it happen. He only sold 40,000 something pre-orders and I sold a fourth of his pre-order copies mm -hmm. in three weeks. So it's just like for five years, I was adding value to him without asking for anything in return. And I do that for everyone. I'm constantly just adding value to these tastemakers without asking for anything. Yeah, it goes back to that theme of, of being in that place of giving. Yes, right? that's it. Like being genuinely, honestly kind of rooted in that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and it brings up kind of, uh, you know, the idea of mentorship. Um, you know, I'm sure you get emails all the time like, yeah. hey, can I take you out to lunch and pick your brain yeah, or, course. you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and when I get those emails, I'm like, you know, I just don't have time, yeah. you know? And, but instead of doing that with Gary V, like you could have sent him an email like, Hey, can I take you out to lunch? But no. instead you just helped him. That's it. Right. And That's it's, it. it's, uh, you know, Ryan holiday talks about this, like when he was starting out and you know, how he kind of tried to bring value to Robert green and, you know, and how, when you can be in that place of like, how am I contributing to these people to make their lives better without looking for, you know, what you're going to get out of it yeah. or what the paycheck is when you're just constantly in that place. Um, your life grows exponentially. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I get these emails all the time too, and I would love to go hang out with everyone and have lunch with everyone, but we want to get anything done if we did. Um, and the challenge is a lot of people email me and say, hey, I'll move to LA for six months and work for you for free. I want to learn from you. And I'm like, that's flattering, but it would take more work to teach you how to do everything and then you just leave and do your own thing. It's like I would need someone like a Ryan Holiday who was just going to step in and do the work and who's like, or who's someone who's going to sell 10,000 copies for me just because they want to be around me and they want to learn. Mm -hmm. That's like how you got to do it. How can you serve that person at the highest level without asking them their time? How, how, uh, who have been the biggest mentors to you? I mean, I had some early on mentors, guys that you probably don't know of from Ohio who really supported me. A guy named Chris Hawker, um, a guy named Frank Agan who helped me write my first book. And then another guy named Stuart Jenkins, who's a, a big inventor as well. Those guys really kind of helped mold me into where I'm at now. But really it was just online, like Chris Brogan early on, Gary Vaynerchuk, I would just watch their videos and read their blogs and I learned so much. Mm -hmm. And then I would meet up with them in person at events and just continue to learn from them by asking questions. But I feel like every, I learn from everyone. Mm -hmm. like constantly I'm learning from people who are ahead of me, people who are just starting out. I'm picking up new ideas. I'm just reading content, watching videos, and I learn through osmosis just by like consuming information. Those are my mentors, you know, the information. Right, right, right. I feel like... Um, you know, everybody wants to have, you know, somebody of the caliber of like a Gary V or like a, you know, mm -hmm. whoever it is that is sort of excelling in whatever field you're interested in. But I think, 
you know, there are people that are probably surrounding you in your own environment that could contribute to your life in a mentorship context in a way. Yeah. So you get caught up in the sexiness of somebody who's doing yeah. something kind of, you know, exceptional online or, or, or otherwise. Um, but, but not, that's not always, you know, the best mm. route to go. Like who's around you that has yeah. experience that you could benefit from. And I think like, it's hard to get everything you want from one mentor these days. Like as we're always, especially if you're an entrepreneur, if you've got big dreams, it's hard to get like everything you want from that one person. And that's why I think it's valuable to hire a coach to keep you accountable, to keep you on track, to show you what you're missing, uh, to let you know, to give you the right feedback of, and say, Hey, this is how you're showing up. You want, you say you want this vision, but you're showing up in a weak way where you're not like staying committed to it. So mm -hmm. someone to keep you accountable. And give you great feedback. Have you hired coaches in the past? I've got you coaches for everything. Coach now? I've got a life coach. I've got a business coach. I've got a relationship coach. Oh, for like wow. every area of my life, I've got someone who's giving me feedback mm -hmm. and saying, okay, here you say your, your vision is this, your goal is this, and are we on track or not? If not, here's what I see is in the way. So someone who just keeps me accountable. Yeah, the objective feedback. Yeah. Like, people that aren't going to just yes you yeah. and then hold you accountable I pay for, for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I pay I pay for these coaches yeah wow that's interesting like I don't I don't pay anyone like uh to do that professionally but I definitely have a board of directors sure, you know sure. like or a board of advisors and I have like certain people that I call for different kinds of things you know that have experience in these different areas of, of our life and I think everybody should you know, nominate their own, you know, board mm. of advisors of in their course. life yeah. because we don't have all the answers. And I think, you know, especially as men, you know, you're kind of reared to, to, to be this guy who walks around and pretends like he has all the answers mm -hmm. to everything and has everything figured out. Right. And ultimately that's just a phenomenal weakness right. that you have to overcome. Right. <clears throat> exactly. And, and it brings up, uh, you know, issues of, of, uh, kind of openness and vulnerability and masculinity. And I think you have some really interesting um, things to say about that and perspectives on that because look, you know, you're like a, you're like a big dude. You're mm. like a big, young, handsome guy, football player, handball player, like kind of an alpha male guy. Um, and you expect someone who kind of cuts that cloth mm -hmm. to be a certain kind of guy, right. you know, kind of like a bro down dude, mm -hmm. you know, who's like, yeah, I got it all figured out. Like, let me tell you how the world works and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think that was one of the reasons why, like, I just love you so much is that you're not like that guy. Like you allow you. yourself to be vulnerable yeah. and, and in your own way, um, you're redefining kind of the parameters of masculinity in the sense that like you're in a very affectionate dude. Very. Like, when I came <laughs> in the door, <laughs> you're like, you gave me a hug <laughs> and that hug just went on and on and on. You're like, long hugs, you got like, comfortable. <laughs> but I love that. You Thank know, you. it's like, you're not afraid to be affectionate. You're not afraid to share your feelings. You're not afraid to tell people in your life, including men, how you mm, feel about yeah. them. So like, let's explore that a little bit. Like where does sure. that come from? And like, what is that about for you? Oh man. Well, you know, I just did a talk at world domination summit about this, calling it the myth of the myth of masculinity. And you know, my whole life, my childhood, all I really wanted was to feel like hugs and loved by my family and my friends and just to like be accepted. And I think all of us want that. We just want to be accepted we want to feel good about ourselves. And I didn't feel good about myself growing up. So I had a lot of alone time, a lot of sadness. I was always getting into trouble. And I just didn't really feel like anyone cared about me. And so 
in a lot of ways, it's it made me driven to be a great athlete because I wanted to get the acknowledgement that like, hey, I am worthy of your acknowledgement, of your care, and of your love. And I know my family was there for me and they loved me, and it, but it's just like it was the story I told myself every single day. So I was so driven to be a great athlete that, you know, I focused a lot on my ego and it was like, that was my, became my identity. And, but I was still a very sensitive, emotional person growing up. My sisters would call me the sensitive jock because I was like this big guy that was like, rah, rah, let's like go punch people in the face and football. But then I'd like come back and like, I was like in the choir and like in the musical and, you know, uh-huh. I was playing guitar <laughs> and singing like love songs and uh-huh. things like and stuff like that. So, and I would like tear up and like during sports movies or whatever. And so they would call me the sensitive jock. And I think it wasn't until, you know, the last like five years where I really started to evolve and grow into letting go of like the ego that I need to have like this ego, this perfection image, this like I'm a tough guy image, especially as I started to build a brand online and, and use my voice more, I realized that that wasn't serving me in my life, in my relationships that wasn't serving me, uh, friendships that wasn't serving me. And when I started to just be like, okay, this is who I am and I am, I have these fears and I have these vulnerabilities and I started to just talk about it. I realized a shift in everyone else as well. Mm-hmm. When I shifted, everyone else shifted around me and I was able to connect in such a deep, intimate, loving way. And it was, you know, it got me quicker to my dreams. You know, again, the key to success in life is relationships. And the key to powerful relationships is vulnerability and being real. That's the quickest way to build relationship with someone and to create that connection. We could meet for five minutes and have like this surface level conversation and really not connect with one another. Or we could meet for five minutes and one of us opens up and shares something that's like scary for us to share or mm-hmm. that isn't sound perfect or that isn't the right thing to say. And we could feel like we've been friends forever and have that connection and that instant relationship and mm-hmm. be like, man, I feel like I just know you. I feel like I relate to you. You never have those feelings when you meet someone you're like, man, I feel like I've just known this person forever. It's because they're bringing something out of them that is a reflection of your intimacy, your fears, your vulnerability, and you feel safe around that person because they opened up. Right. And that has been such a shift for me once I started to open up in that way with everyone and just love in such an open, vulnerable way. It doesn't mean I have to be like in tears all the time and like be like sharing my deepest, darkest secrets, but just like being real is vulnerable enough. Yeah. And most people aren't real with people. They're not. And it's it's understandable because it's terrifying. It is. It is terrifying. You have to let your guard down. You have to put your ego aside and all this sort of cultural programming mm-hmm. that we have our whole life about how we're supposed to carry ourselves um, has to be cast aside. So exactly. there's a lot of barriers to getting to that place. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, it's been a while now, but you posted that podcast interview where you talked about, you know, being abused as, yeah. a, as a young kid. And um, I, I imagine that that was scary. Very scary, To, man. like, talk about that. Very and, scary. It was about a year ago, a little yeah, over a year ago. I mean, just explain a little bit about what that is. Yeah, I was sexually abused. I was raped when I was five by my babysitter's son. After school, kindergarten, I mm-hmm. went to this babysitter every day. And uh, one day, you know, the son took advantage of me. And I had no clue what was really happening. And I was just going along with it. Um, and for 25 years, I didn't talk about it to anyone I just stuffed it down and that was like my my fuel to get revenge on the world and to be the best and I had to be number one at everything because I didn't want to be 
ever taken advantage of. So that's what made me train so hard. It was, I wouldn't say it was every, the reason why I trained so hard. It was like the, the reason, but it was, how did you get to things. that place of self-awareness though, that that was a driver? Um, man, I did a work, an emotional intelligence workshop a couple of years ago in LA where we were going through all the things in our life that's been holding us back. So it was just like, all right, think about it. Has anything held you back? Your breakups, your, your parents going through a divorce. Maybe you went through a divorce. What are the things that guard you now? And so the facilitator was just like, look at the things in your life that have happened and what has shifted once those things happened for you. What has made you a harder person as opposed to a softer person? What has made you um, less open for love? What has made you guard yourself in conversations? All these different things, you know. And so he was like, think about these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my brother went to prison and I, my parents got divorced and, you know, I felt alone constantly. And I was in the special needs class all through elementary, through school, through to high school because I couldn't read and write. And so I was like... I've already talked about all these things. Like those things don't affect me anymore. But I was like trying to go through all the things in my head. Like what is holding me back? Like, is there anything like my brother was a big deal when he went to prison for four years and I had to go there every weekend in the uh, visitor room to sit with him and be in a room full of convicts and not have any friends during that four and a half years because the parents wouldn't let their kids hang out with me Mm because my brother's in prison. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I dealt with all these different things and I was fine with them all. And then it came in my head and I was like, oh, that moment when I was five, why haven't I ever talked about that? And why would I never addressed it with myself and been open but to But you can remember it. it. I remember it vividly. It wasn't like uh, suddenly you remember, like you always, did you it's always al- remember it? Was it was always, always on my mind, like subconsciously. Mm-hmm. You know, it would come up, it was like a bad dream that I just remember constantly. But I can remember the smell, the taste, the, the room, everything about that moment. And it just was subconsciously always on my mind. And I think I tried to shove it away as like this dream that like it didn't happen, but I, it's like, I remember everything. And, um, so I was like, oh wow, this is something for 25 years I haven't discussed. And if I can't discuss it with anyone, then it's probably holding me back. It's probably has like this hold on me. It's got this control. It's got this power over me. If I'm not willing to just address it and talk about it. And so I said, and he was like, okay, now is your time to fully let go of anything that's ever been holding you back. If you haven't let it go yet, now's the time to do it. You've got a safe space to talk about it, to do whatever you need to do. And I remember thinking, if I don't talk about this now, I'll probably never open up about it. Like, here's my moment. Mm -hmm. And my heart started like pounding. I was like, what if, you know, if I share this with people, what are they going to think about me? I was so ashamed and afraid to hear of like, to think what people would look at me differently. You know, I had this image that I wanted to portray into the world of who I was. And that's not part of the image I wanted people to know about. Right. So I stood up in front of this room. It's probably about 50 people. And I remember I was like looking down at the ground. I couldn't look at anyone's eyes. I was just so terrified of what people would think, but I knew I had to do it. And so I shared openly. I told the whole story and then I sat down and luckily there was two women sitting beside of me, but I just wept for about 15 minutes. I just like released the biggest like wolf cry uh, for, you know, for so long. <laughs> and it was so grateful that these women were like so compassionate. They were just like holding me and I just could not hold back any tears. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I was so ashamed of myself still. I was so like embarrassed, ashamed of myself. 
felt guilty, felt like people were just going to look at me bad. And I remember I just couldn't look up anywhere. I just like stayed down with my hands on my head while these women were holding me. And then we like took a break from this, you know, from what we were doing. And I just like ran outside out of the the conference room or whatever, ran out into the, uh, to get some fresh air into the back alley. And it was just like in tears. I just did not want to go back in. I didn't want anyone to look at me. And when I was out there after a couple minutes, it was like one of the most beautiful things that ever happened in my life. All these men came up to me and just hugged me and said, like, you're the most courageous human being I know. Like, thank you for sharing. Here's what happened to me. People were opening up to me. And I created this relationship with people that I just met, you know, a couple of days prior, where it's like we were the closest of friends. Mm-hmm. Because I dropped my guard and my walls and sh- revealed myself and made them trust me. And when we don't reveal ourselves fully, we're never fully able to trust someone else. Mm-hmm. But it's when that person is, like, you're so connected to Casey Neistat, it's because he's, like, so vulnerable and real in his videos. So you feel like you trust him right when you meet him. You're like, man, I know you. I trust you. You're amazing. I want to ask you these questions. I want to drop my guard because you do it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, in, in the case of what occurred to you, mm-hmm. I mean, intellectually, you understood, of course, that that there's nothing to be ashamed of because sure. you were a victim, right? right? You were five years old. Like, yeah. how could you possibly have any culpability in this terrible act that right. was perpetrated upon you? And yet, that's the emotion that, you know, festered for, you know, decades. 25 years, man. Yeah. And then, obviously, you know, even though you kind of walked around with it thinking, well, it's not that big of a deal. It was kind of like a dream. I can yeah. ignore it. When you finally released it, like the cathartic emotional like, breakdown, uh, you know, is demonstrative of how much emotional power it, it was holding over you. It was holding a lot of power. Yeah. It was holding a lot of power on me. Yeah. It's, uh, and then when did you get to the point where you're like, I'm going to share this on the podcast? Well, because that's I a got, whole different beast. And yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I started, I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I want to share this with my family. Like I shared it with this group of like 50 people who are going through this workshop. So I was like, I think I need to share with my family. And I think it probably took a few weeks until I opened up one by one, my family. And I actually, you know, I was working with like my relationship coach at the time. I was like, here's what happened. And I want to tell my family, I don't know how to do it. I'm terrified because I don't want them to feel bad. I don't want them to feel guilty. Like they weren't there for me. I don't want my mom to be like in pain. I just didn't want that. Um, cause I could only imagine what that would feel like if I had a child and they said I was raped by the babysitter you sent me to. Mm-hmm. Like, could you imagine the amount of guilt that yeah, a the parent would? Yeah. yeah. So I just didn't want that. And she told me, you've got to ask him a, a set of questions first to set it up for him. And I was like, okay. And one of the, que- I can't remember all of them, but one of the questions was really powerful for me. She said, you need to ask them before you tell them, is there anything I could ever do that would make you not love me? And just see what they say. Is there anything I could ever do that would make you not love me? And I asked that to everyone and they were like, absolutely not. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. I'll always love you. And so it, it created a space for me to be like, okay, I can share something that happened to, you know, 25 years ago and they're still going to love me. So I think that was my fear. Like they were going to look down at me. They were going to like be ashamed of me or something. But my family's gone through so much. You know, my brother went to prison. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's no other shame you can do than going to prison. There's no bigger shame, really. And so he was like, absolutely not right away. He was like, of course, I will always love you. Like, there's nothing I could do. Um, and that created this safe space to really share openly. And 
man, I thought I knew my family well, but after I opened up about this to each one of them, it's like I had these hour-long conversations with each one of them. So you did it individually? I did it individually on the phone. I couldn't do it in person. Well, they were, none of them were here in LA anyways, and I wanted to do it on the you know as soon as possible as opposed to wait until Thanksgiving or something. And um, it was like, man, I created such a deeper relationship with each one of my siblings. I've got three older siblings and my parents where we just, they opened up, we cried together, they opened up and shared other things that happened to them that I had no clue about. Um, it just helped us connect and understand each other better. And, and my sister was like, I always thought something happened based on like your defensiveness and your guardedness. I always thought something happened to you. And I was like, man, I, That's interesting. I didn't even know. Yeah, she's like, could, could Yeah, like you're, you're putting out a vibe to the world that was noticeable on some level to her that I'm sure you were completely un, unaware of. I was completely unaware of it. And you're not just like reactive and defensive for no reason. Like something has to trigger that for you. And uh, you're not just like an angry person in certain situations for no reason. Like there's a, there's a, a backing trigger. And so each conversation was just really powerful and brought me closer to my family, not farther away. So it created what it created was freedom and connection. Mm-hmm. When I open up about who I am or what's happened or what hasn't happened or my fears, it creates this intimacy, this connection, this freedom. Like it was the biggest weight lifted off my shoulders, 25 years of holding this secret. And I shared it with my family. And then I started sharing it with really close friends one by one because I was like, okay, my family loves me, but what about my friends? So I started sharing with my friends one by one and asking them the same thing. Like, I want to share with you something, but I just want to, you know, ask, is there anything I could do that would make you not want to be, you know, my friend or love me and look at me a different way. And so I would set it up first. And, you know, all of them were just so supportive and loving. And some people didn't know how to handle it. It was like a lot for them to hear. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it makes me think like maybe something happened to them. But they right. If somebody to, yeah. starts to freak out, maybe there's something going on. There. Yeah. And they're not ready to share, and that's fine. Um, and I wasn't expecting people to open up and tell me their life story. I just knew I needed to get it out there to my closest friends and family. And it probably took like six months where I was like, I really feel like sharing this on my podcast could be something really powerful. But I only want to do it in a way that supports people and serves people that doesn't try to like have people think that I'm doing this for publicity or for whatever reason, in a negative way. So for months, I was like, I'm not going to do it unless I can find a way to do it in a really ethical, value-driven way where it serves people. And I asked Jonathan Fields if he would interview me for it to kind of navigate the process because I thought he would be great. And so he agreed to. And we recorded it, and I probably waited another three or four months till I released it. I was, like, terrified. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is the world going to think of me? Still, you know, Mm -hmm. I was still terrified because it's a different audience. And I remember posting it. I was sitting right where you're sitting and I posted it and it was about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And it was at like probably like 1030 or 11 o'clock at night. And I had no clue what was happening that night, but I just decided like, okay, I'm going to post it today. It'd been sitting there. I was like, okay, I'm going to post it. I had this feeling like I need to post it now. And so I got the post ready. I edited it up. I put the, um, you know, the text in the blog post and then I clicked submit or publish and I just tweeted it. All I did was tweet it. And for weeks, I was working with my friend Glennon Melton, who I had on the podcast. You know her blog, Momastery.com. Mm-hmm. She's a big New York Times bestselling author, talks about vulnerability and stuff. And I was like, here's what I'm doing. Can you help me figure out how to do this effectively? Like how to write a good headline so that it's captivating but not alienating. 
And so she wrote the headline for me. She like helped me do everything. It's from like a woman who's been there and done that. And I publish it. I tweet it out. And then I'm like, okay, it's up to the gods. Whatever happens now, like I'm not going to promote this hard. I'm just going to tweet it and see what happens. And I literally turn around and I open up my balcony. I sit out here and I'm like nervous. I'm like sweating. I'm like, what are people going to think? What's the reaction? And I go on, I'm like scrolling through Twitter and I'm seeing like insane responses within like 10, 20 minutes as people like just retweeting me. But I'm also seeing something else happening. People are posting photos just randomly of something that was happening in the world. And it was a super moon that night. And so I remember like, as I went out there, I look up and I see like the biggest, brightest moon I'd ever seen in my life. And it would happen to happen right on that night when I published it. It was like the weirdest thing. I was like, this is, there's, can't be a coincidence. That's a trip. Like man. it like pulled me to do it that day. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't yeah. even know that was happening. Yeah. And I was like, something is changing in the world where like it's opening me up to do this. Uh-huh. And so I posted this one on, on the supermoon night and it was supposed to be like one of the biggest supermoons in like the last hundred years or something. And the next day I went, I w- went to bed and woke up and my inbox was flooded from emails of people sharing with me essays of stories about men and women just opening up about how they've been sexually abused and raped. And it wasn't something I was looking for. And I didn't know what I was going to get. But the story, for like a, a week and a half, I was feeling like a hangover. I've never been drunk, but I felt like this extreme hangover by reading all these stories and reading the pain that people had gone through. But also reading how they're finally going to take action and let it and, and be free themselves. And so they all started sharing with their family and friends and telling me what they were doing to overcome this sexual abuse they'd experienced. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, man, it made my story seem like a, a PG movie compared to the things I was reading. Like I couldn't believe some of the stories people were telling me about their sexual abuse and how many men and women have been abused. It's unbelievable. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. 
When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. That's a beautiful story, man. Thank you. And, and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it with you today, like timing is everything, you know, yeah. it's like these windows of opportunity arise where like, it's like, okay, now's the moment mm-hmm. that, you know, whatever happened in that moment that made you share it on the super moon. It was crazy. Um, just yesterday I posted a, a podcast where, and this is certainly nothing nearly as traumatic as, you know, as being abused as a young person. Um, but I talked about something that I'd never talked about publicly, which mm. is that like I relapsed in late 2011. Oh, really? From alcohol? Was, yeah, from alcohol. Oh. And, uh, and um, you know, I'd been, it was in Hawaii. It was right after I had had, uh, I had DNF'd at Ultraman. Like it was a year where I was like super fit and I was gunning to like do, you know, like be at my absolute peak athletically. Huh. Way more fit than anything I had ever been previously, like in 2009. The, the, right. the races that I talk about in my book, Finding Ultra, I was a completely different athlete. Like I was on fire. Wow. And I was ready to just uncork like the performance of all time. <laughs> and it didn't go well. Like mm. I just, you know, I just didn't, something was wrong and I was spitting up blood. Like wow. on the second day I had to pull out of the race and just, I had all my eggs in that basket. Oh. And and I don't think that I was fully like in touch with how devastated I was from that. And, and I hadn't been diligent in my recovery program. I'd sort of been cruising, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd been like, well, I'm working out and I'm eating well. And like, you can, I had been sober for 13 years and you start to get into this mindset of like, well, I don't really need to go to AA. Like I have it together. Like I'm onto this thing. 19 now, years or you, sober. 13, 13 I yeah. And so it just doesn't become as heightened as a priority as it is when you're a broken man and you come you're in right. and you're willing to do anything to get yeah. sober, which is what, where I was when I got sober. Um, you start to just kind of like take your pedal off the gas a little bit. And after, mm-hmm. and, and you know, after a long period of kind of not being so focused on it and not making like attending to my sobriety, uh, you know, a, a top priority, you're a ticking time bomb, you know, mm-hmm. before you're going to pick up a drink. And so, 
I won't recount the whole story because I just did it on my podcast. <laughs> but essentially, you know, I picked up a drink, yeah. you know, and I got drunk. Um, and I found myself doing it at, a, at an AA meeting that night. So it wasn't like I went out and crashed a car or, right, or right. like, you know, destroyed my family. You know, it's like I, I was able to nip it in the bud. Mm, that's good. Um, but the point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, I'm, I've been open about this, like in AA and with my sober mm-hmm. buddies, and I share about it from the podium. Like, I'm very open about it, like in that forum, but not, but not public. publicly, mm-hmm. you know. And so, why weren't you open about it? Because I was ashamed. Yeah. You know, because I was ashamed, especially as somebody who had written a book that told their sober story. Right. You know, and I'm supposed to be this person who, who has this problem figured out to then admit that actually I'm a frail human who still suffers from the mm. disease of alcoholism yeah. and, and doesn't do it perfectly, you yeah. know? And when you have like an audience or people that are looking to you for, you know, advice or inspiration or whatever, there's a certain burden that comes with that and yeah. an expectation level. And, um, and I just got to a point where, you know, like you, like I thought, well, this isn't that big of a deal. Like I don't have to share everything about my life to everybody, mm-hmm. but if my message is, you know, be authentic, be willing to be vulnerable, have the, have, have the courage to like, you know, walk your talk, then it's not acceptable for me to not discuss this. Yeah. Plus, um, perhaps there's somebody out there who's in that same situation who could like benefit or benefit from hearing my story or avoid falling into the trap that I fell into. So I felt compelled to share it. And I told the whole story Mm. and I just published it yesterday. And I can tell you that hitting publish on that was the most scary, terrifying thing (laughs) ever. I bet. You know, I was like, well, we'll see what happens. Like I was like, not looking forward to the comments on this one, you and, know, and, and how many, been? how many listeners am I going to lose? Yeah, yeah. And like, like I, and literally yesterday, um, I just, you know, I, I did it. I, I was up late. I hit publish. I went to sleep and the next morning I didn't even check my email. I didn't check. I was like, I had such an, a crazy emotional hangover from the whole mm. thing that I was like, I just got to ride my bike. And I went out for like a four hour wow. ride I didn't go online at all. Like I was, I think I was in part scared to like sure. see what the response would be. Um, finished my ride. And I was like, all right, like I feel better. Like, let's just <laughs> like see what's happening. And, you know, like yourself, I've never had more comments mm. on a, on a post, you know, a billion tweets. Wow. I, ha- I got like 200 emails yesterday. Wow. Um, the response has been insane and incredibly um, positive and just, you know, loving and, mm-hmm. and compassionate, um, with a lot of empathy and like yourself, like people telling stories about, you know, like there's a lot of people in recovery that listen to my show. So, you know, uh, you know, I relapsed or, you know, I've been sober for a long time and I haven't been diligent hearing your story is going to make me, me yeah. reboot my thing. Cause I don't want that to happen to me or, you know, and it's weird because you could tell your story to someone else like, yeah, share it because you'll be amazed at the response, but yeah. you, you don't know that fear. Like when you're holding on to something that you're ashamed of to like shine a, shine a light on it and expose it is terrifying even when you know that's the solution to being able to release it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, of course. So, it's just interesting you told that story and then this just happened to me yesterday, you yeah. know? And I, I don't mean to compare my little relapse to no, being abused in any way, but that was just something that I was holding on to that I was ashamed of. And I think, yeah, of course. you know, as human beings, we've all done stuff we're not proud of mm-hmm. and we all hold on to that and keep it private and we're afraid to tell people about it. But, 
you know, there is a lot of power in like, in, in, in bringing it out because, because, you know, in the same way that your sister could see like your behavior being driven by that episode that Mm. you were holding onto, I think we all have, you know, things like that in ourselves that become impediments to us growing into, you know, the best version of of who we can be. Absolutely. So anyway, man, thank you for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll get back on track. now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to talk about the book, but like, while we're still kind of in the realm of talking about podcasting, Mm -hmm. I'm interested in, in, you know, what you think makes a great podcast guest. Mm. For me, I, you know, I get a lot of requests for people to come on and they have to inspire me. So if they're not inspiring to me on like a huge way. And so I have got a lot of great guests that have already been on. And it's like, if you're not on that level or higher or you haven't done something different or unique that inspires me, then it's probably not a great fit. It doesn't mean you're not a great person or have a message to share. I'm just looking for a specific type of person. And I also don't want people that have just done the rounds on every other podcast. It's like, Unless they're incredible, you know, and I'll share someone with you and you share people with me um, if there's someone big or something like that. But if they're just doing every podcast, like I probably don't need you right now. Like, mm-hmm. like let's wait until you're not doing every podcast because there's always a lot of overlap. And if they're going to listen to my show or, or someone else's with you on there, then I don't want to compete with that. Um, unless it's like Tim Ferriss who's doing everything and it's like they're a big name, then okay. So for me, they've got to be inspiring. They've got to, you know, I really want them to have a big audience already, not because I want them to promote, although that's great, but because if they already have a big audience, it's just validating that they're inspiring the world already and they're already creating a ripple effect. So I want to introduce them to my audience now. Um, That's pretty much what I'm looking for. Yeah, Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I share some of that. I'm a little bit different in that, um, in that, uh, I don't care so much about their audience. Sometimes for me, the most gratifying guests are the people that no one's ever heard of sure. that I've come across and I'm like, Oh my and God, this guy's amazing. Yeah. Like I need to help this person. Yeah, you right, know, right, like right. everybody needs to hear what this, there's something really cool about that. Sure. Um, and sometimes that those guests don't get the most downloads because yeah. they're not the Tim Ferriss's or whatever. But I think there's something cool about that. And I, I think I would agree with you in the sense that, that, um, there's like a gut check that has to happen. Like yeah. you have to be excited about meeting of them. Course. And sometimes people come across my radar and they're doing amazing things, but for whatever reason, no fault of their own, like I don't emotionally connect with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't think this is the right fit. Like, cause if I'm not excited about it, then it's, it's not, not going to be a episode. great interview. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, so you can't force it. Yeah. 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 And, uh, another thing, like if they're a big guest with a big audience, the reason I like that is because usually they don't open up in certain ways. Usually they are guarded or they are, they do have a perfect image or something. Mm -hmm. So I look at it as an opportunity like Tony Robbins to get him to share things he's never shared before. And I want to be that guy who like opens them up. Mm -hmm. And so I look at it as like a challenge. Like how can I be that space? I wonder if like everyone goes in, they're like with people that do so many interviews, like everyone's like, how am I going to crack this guy? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Even if I just say one thing different than they've ever said before, I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. a winner. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's it's much less, and I've said this before, but it's like it's much less about the information that's conveyed. Like if I can just get a connection, like if I yeah. can emotionally connect with this person so that they relax a little bit and, and can just be who they are, like that's more important to me. Yeah, I think that trumps like making sure that the points are made. 
mm-hmm. but it's sometimes it's hard it's hard the hardest interviews are the people that do the most a number of interviews sure. because they're so used to it and they have their talking points or, it, or whatever right. so it's like how are you going to get beyond that right yeah like simon, i had simon Seneca on one time and he was awesome and he was giving these great answers but they were just like almost too good they were like too perfect and i was like okay i gotta ask him some different questions and so i started to get like real and vulnerable with him and i remember he he always he answered within like a half a second everything and just got on a tangent and it was great but I was like, okay, how can I get him to think? And I asked him a question where he's like, paused for about 10 seconds. And he was like, hmm. <laughs> and he didn't know how to respond. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's when I knew I was going to get something yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's cool, man. All right, well, let's uh, let's talk about the book, man. Yeah. It's pretty exciting stuff. Very the School exciting. of Greatness. That's it, man. The book version of the podcast, but so much more. Yes. Uh, it's been a long time coming. You were nice enough to send me um, a galley copy. And... I'm very touched that uh, that that um, you're in the book. I'm in man. the book, yes. Featured big That's time. That's not why it. we're sitting here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, big actually, time. you know, I was like, whoa, like so, I'm in this so, book a lot. Like that's lot. crazy. Like because yeah. we've been talking about this for a long time, and uh-huh. you know, you had told me like, oh, I want to you know include your story in the book, but um, you didn't you know, know that much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did because I, I was like, like fact checking wow. with you on some things. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. Is this correct? This correct? Yeah. I'm very honored. My pleasure that you would consider my story worthy enough for your book. So that means a lot to me, man. Thank you. I'm very touched by that. And I'm really excited uh, about the book coming out. It's coming out October 27th. Correct. Yeah. Um, you've been, you know, doing your marketing trip for quite some time yes. right now. So all those uh, those hens are coming home to roost quite soon uh-huh. here. I mean, I'll post this right around the, the book date launch. So when people are listening to it, the book sure. will be will be just out. But, um, you know, before we get into kind of the details of what's in the book, I mean, what, in, what inspired you, you know, to write this book and what is the motivation behind <laughs> this it? This has probably been like a 18 year dream of mine. I went to a Tony Robbins conference when I was 16. I think that was 18 years ago. Um, and I remember sitting there feeling so inspired. He had probably like 20 different speakers from like Donald Trump to Larry King live to Jerry Rice to, all these different high power individuals, champions of life and business come and speak. And I was just so inspired by the message. It was really like the first time I'd been exposed to some type of like inspiration like that at a conference, at an event. And I remember at one point, Tony walked down the stage, off the stage, down the aisle. And I was probably like halfway back in this huge stadium arena, halfway back on the floor. And he walked back and he stopped right next to me. And like looked out. He didn't look at me, but he just stood next to me and set a point out into the audience. It was probably from me to you. And I remember just looking up at this giant man. He's a cyborg. It was unbelievable. And I was just like, the energy he has right now, there's something to the energy where he's just creating inspiration out of me because of who he's being. And I don't even know what he said, but just his energy was so powerful. I said, one day, I want to become, I want to be able to speak in front of thousands of people like this. And put off an energy like this to inspire people. And I want to write a book and do CDs at the time and, you know, do whatever I can to get my message out there. I didn't even know what my message was at 16. I was just like a nobody trying to make like, you know, get a girlfriend. But uh, I was like, this is what I want to do. This is like my calling. Someday I'm going to figure out how to do it. I don't know how to do it. I'm going to figure it out. And once I got done playing professional football. Hold on one second though. How did you end up at a Tony Robbins conference at 16? Like, that's I was unusual. In, I was going to a boarding school in St. Louis, and my mom was there uh, with me. 
And my dad just said, hey, this, I see this event is happening in St. Louis. So he bought me and my mom tickets. And me and my mom went. That's cool. Oh, my dad. Yeah, he just bought us tickets. Oh, here's the reason why. He saw that Dick, I think his name is Dick Vermeil. He's the coach for the St. Louis Rams who won a Super Bowl. He was right, speaking. Right. But he was the Eagles coach. He was, but then yeah. he went to the Rams right, and right. won the Super Bowl in 2001, I believe it was, 2000 or something like that. And he was speaking and he said, hey, you should go. He, went, he sent me there to go watch this coach speak. And he gotcha. got like VIP tickets to go meet the coach afterwards. So I met with the coach. But I was at a Tony Robbins thing. And um, I never knew who Tony Robbins was, but I was just so inspired by him. And like his message really connected with me at 16. And as a guy who had big dreams to play sports, so like college sports and professional sports, everything he was saying was helping me get to that goal. And I applied it over the next couple of years in high school and in college. I just like stuck with it, that message and with my dreams and like whatever he gave us, I was like doing the work. Um, because I was like, oh, if all these champions are doing the same type of thinking and, and work and exercises, like I want to do what they're doing. And so it was just solidified, like Jerry Rice, these coaches, all these people were there. Donald Trump, like, yeah, I want what they have. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've been like always into inspirational personal development work to for myself over the last 15 years since then. And it's just been a powerful journey. So I, um, seven and a half years ago when I got done playing arena football, I got the four-hour work week as the only gift Christmas from in 2007 going into 2008. And I read this book in three days and it was really hard for me to finish any book. I probably read 10 books cover to cover before that. I read this book in 10 days and it opened up this possibility in my mind. I didn't even know what was possible to be an entrepreneur, to make money online, to build these businesses. I didn't know that was possible. But Tim wrote out like the path on how to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I'm going to figure this out. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to figure this out. And I was broke sleeping on my sister's couch for a year and a half just engulfed in this information. And then that's when I started to research about online blogs and connect with Gary Vaynerchuk and all these other people from this book that I started to research. And after I got done finishing that book, it was literally probably New Year's Eve or something. I remember saying to myself, I had a cast on. I remember saying to myself, one day I'm going to write a book like this that inspires millions of people around the world the way this book inspired me and opened up a new possibility for my life. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. I'm becoming friends with Tim Ferriss. We're to become really close. I said this to myself. I was like, we're to become great friends. I don't <laughs> this know. Is like almost I, Machiavellian. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, <laughs> but I'm going to get in touch with him and figure out how to meet him, become friends with him. His agent, whoever the agent is of this book, I'm going to meet him and he's going to become my agent. And I'm going to write a number one New York Times bestseller the way this book is. And the years went by and I reached out to Tim many, many times and finally connected with him at a, a mastermind event. And then, you know, now we're good friends today. We've worked on a number of things together and he's a great friend. And I learned who his agent was for the four hour work week and for years built up a relationship with him before I even knew I was interested in doing a book, but built up a friendship and relationship to the point where he approached me and said, I think it's time we do a book together now because where my brand was going now we have a book deal and uh you know by the time this comes out you know this week we should find out if the the trifactor comes true about the right. new york times list so 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 let's talk about the book yeah. right uh the school of greatness yes so what 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 can we find in the book by the way just for the record like i read the book i love the book thank you um and we were talking about this before the podcast as well but um it's a very you know solving that um 
that equation of how to create like an effective, you know, inspirational, you know, nonfiction how to uh, book is very difficult, it's right? Yeah. It's like when I look at it, I'm like, all right, well, what, what, what hasn't already been said yeah. in some other book? Like, what are you going to bring to it that is going to be new or fresh? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in some respects, there are no new ideas, but right. there are new perspectives on ideas. And I think um, why your book works is because it's about your journey through these ideas, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's like you put yourself in the seat where you're sitting right now as a podcaster and as somebody who's just looking to grow. You're vulnerable and open about like who you are and what your challenges have been. And you're like, here are the people that have taught me and yeah. let's explore what their ideas are. And then you're able to put your spin on like how you can um, implement those ideas into action through like yeah. some really like you know, easy to understand and practical like tools and exercises that kind of are on the tail end of each chapter. That's it. Yeah, it's tied together beautifully. So it's it's like not too easy of a read, but it's not too difficult of a read either. Like it it hits that tone of being like effective, instructional and informative without being like burdensome or like too fluffy either. Right, right. Yeah, you know, for me, the books that I really liked that I that are my favorite books is one is uh, the Four Hour Work Week and the other is The Alchemist, and so I wanted to make a blend of them both. I wanted. Have you read The Alchemist before? Mm-hmm, yeah. Of course. I wanted to be like that. Really connected with me. It was probably the timing when I read it, and I was like, what if I could create a book that's like combines them both? Where Tim's is almost like a little too much resourceful for me. It's like so many resources at the end of every chapter and like links and places to go, which was great, uh, but it's almost too analytical. Where the alchemist is too much of a story. It's all story based, right? So I was like, what if I can mesh those together and allow people to walk through the, the story and the journey of their life to see where they're at now, if it's working for them, what their biggest dreams and goals are, have they achieved them yet? If they haven't, here's the exercises on each stop along your journey on how to make them work. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I wanted to create. I wanted to create like the ultimate book for me, something that would be inspiring to me where I could get a lot out of it inspirational-wise, but then proven exercises that'll help me get to that next level. And a lot of these exercises are things that I learned from the sports world. You know, I picked up all these different exercises from sports and applied them to my life and business. It's what these exercises would help me sell a million-dollar company, build multi-million-dollar brands, if it wasn't for these exercises and this way of thinking, I wouldn't have been able to achieve that in a short amount of time and really two and a half years after I got injured playing football and had no clue what I was doing, I was able to transition fairly quickly into building a business online without experience, mm-hmm. without a degree in any of those things. And um, I'm just sharing with people exactly how to do it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing is that it's really informed by your experience of having all these guests on your podcast, yeah. which are really, that's kind of like the the scaffolding upon which mm-hmm. this book is built, That's which it. is all the amazing conversations you've it's had. All with, the, with I'm all just, all it's like guests. me being the ultimate mentee and sharing the wisdom from all the best mentors in the world. Mm-hmm. And what I came up with was eight core principles of greatness. If you want to be great in any area of your life, if something's lacking or something's missing that you want to get an advantage in, there's really eight things that you need to be great at. And if you can master all eight of these principles, you're going to be a pretty freaking sweet person. Mm-hmm. You're going to be an amazing human being at whatever you want to achieve if you can master these eight principles. And from all the interviews I did, I realized that these guests fall into these eight categories really well. Some better than others. Some are masters of certain things and not masters of others. But if they put together all the eight things that people do well, this would be these things. 
And um, so I share with you how to master it and then the exercises for getting to the next level. In that right, principle. right, right. Um, and I'm just looking at them now. It's, so it's like create a vision, yeah. right? And These are all very, very simple. Much, yeah, they're very simple, and and again, they're not like it's not like you invented the idea of not. like creating a vision, no. right? But, but everybody has their perspective on that. So I look at that, and I'm like, all right, well, this is kind of in the world of Danielle Laporte, mm. right? Like she's somebody who speaks to that, and I know mm. you're friends with her. And then it's turn adversity into advantage, and I'm like, yeah. when I see that, I'm like, oh, Ryan Holiday, stoicism, right. you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of you know to be mined from that. Then yep. the champion's mindset, you know, uh, the hustle. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, Gary Vee, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. right? Like, uh, master your body. Mm -hmm. uh, I might have something to say about that. Yep. Uh, practicing positive habits, building a winning team, and being of service, mm -hmm. right? So those are kind of like the principles upon which That's the it. whole book, the book and, and, and kind if of you, the... Yeah, and if you can follow those eight principles, you're pretty much at the top of your game. Mm -hmm. That's it. So if anyone's so feeling, this is the only book that I need. That's the only book you need right now. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, um, you know, and there's always more you can go dive into. So this is really getting you started. And obviously that's why I have the podcast so we can dive in deeper with each topic and things like that. And right. you know, that's why you have your podcast to dive in deeper. But for me, this is something, it's a guide. You know, I call it a real world guide to living bigger, loving deeper and leaving a legacy. And if that's something you want to do in your life, then this is the book. Well, who doesn't want to do that? Exactly. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation. A groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. It's interesting, the subtitle of like loving deeper, you know what I mean? That's very much like, that's very you, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? But that's not, 
that that's not a phrase that you would typically see in a book of this nature that kind of falls in that category of like entrepreneurship and building a business. Yeah, and the book is not about building a business specifically. It's not like I teach you how to build an online business, but if you follow these principles in your business, you will grow your business. And I give examples and things like that, but it's not a strict business book. Right. So I've had so many of my author friends tell me that the subtitle you know, they're like, you need to change the subtitle. You need to be talk about how it's going to be, you know, create financial make freedom for you or make yeah. millions, like this and that, because then people will pick it up. And I'm like, you know, or because it'll rank higher in SEO and blah, 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 and, I, and Amazon. And I'm like, that's just not what the book's about. It's not about making millions. Through doing it, you will make millions if you're like fulfilling these principles. Yes, but it's not teaching you. Like, here's how to start an online brand and, like, run a business that's not teaching that. So I'm, like, conflicted in some ways because all my author friends are, like, it's going to flop. You know, the subtitle is not strong enough. And I'm, like, but this is the essence of the book I want to write. And I think it's going to change people in such a powerful way that their life is going to be changed forever as opposed to just making some money on the side. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I'm glad that you didn't change it. Um, there's always that tension between, you know, the people that are saying this is what works, mm -hmm. especially in this, like, you know, you know a lot more about internet marketing than, than I do or ever will. But like when I look at it, I'm like, people will say, well, this is what works. You have to do it like this. And I look at it and I go, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> right. Like Doesn't I just can't you. get into that spammy clickbaity yeah. way of functioning. Like I'm just, I don't care if it works. Like it's not who I am yeah. and I'm not willing to do it. Right. But there is that tension. Like when you come up with a book title, like what's going to track, what's going to travel, mm -hmm. you know, and you get into these, these, these conversations about it and it's all like kind of weird. You yeah. Know? It's Ultimately the book just will stand on its own. It, that's the goal. You know, and maybe like in the first week or two, that might impact things, but if the book is good, people then talk about it. Will, it. it will, you know, do what it's meant to do, yeah. right? And you have to just kind of believe in the long-term view of it, right? Exactly. You know? So I believe in it. Yeah, well, good <laughs> man. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, you know, and kind of talking about that internet marketing stuff. I mean, you're somebody who, you know, really lives transparently online. Mm -hmm. um, there's always that kind of relentless pressure, like, okay, I got to put a new podcast up, and like, yep. what's my Instagram today? Did yep. I do a Snapchat? Like, by the way, we didn't <laughs> we Snapchat, Snapchat today. We should do a Snapchat today. <laughs> before we leave. <laughs> like, now there's Beam, you know, like, like it's insane. It's it's this pressure of like providing content, mm -hmm. but when you're doing that, you're not present in what you're doing. That's true. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to like do both, and it's like, yeah, I want to share my experiences to the extent that. <sighs> you know, whatever I'm experiencing per could perhaps be, you know, helpful to somebody else. Yeah. But I also need to recognize um, that, that being present in whatever I'm doing and just being in my life is, is more important than that. Yeah. Um, and finding that balance, like I'll go on tears where I'm like Snapchatting all the time and then <laughs> I'll burn do. out. I'm like, you know what? I don't need to, break. You know, like I just need, I just want to be in my life right yeah. now. So like I'm going know, to Hawaii for three days tomorrow and I'm, I'm committing to myself to not take my computer and I'm committing to, a part of me wants to just leave my phone in the hotel and not use it at all. I may take it and just leave it on airplane mode and take photos, but not post anything then mm. and wait till I come back to post something, but just be more present and not be like, I need to post this now. Yeah, it's a good challenge. So we'll see. But that's going to be tough. <laughs> Real tough. Especially when you're Most like, you know, a month world. and a half out from launching a book to, like, and you're put, like, yeah. what's the, you know, what if something happens? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But... But I mean, how do you do that on a daily basis? Like kind of run that calculus and deciding like, you know, 
you know, when to share, when not to share and creating boundaries around that. So yeah. you're just like maintaining your quality of life. For me, it's, it's really trying to be good in the morning and at night and try to shut down and give myself like time blocks of when I can use my phone or when I can post. I've also got a better t- team in place that's helping me post things for me. So I don't have to be doing it all the time, but there's certain things that I like to do like Instagram and Snapchat, obviously, which is like I control. Um, so it's just about saying, okay, I'm only going to look at it these times. And sometimes I'm good. And sometimes I'm really bad and I'll just sit there for hours scrolling on Instagram or whatever. So yeah, it's a balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear you, man. No, I'm always trying to, you know, find where that balance lies. So anyway, we're going to wrap it up here in a few minutes, but there's a couple of things that, that I want to talk to you about before I sure. can let you go. Um, and one thing is, uh, you know, one of the ways that you always kind of end your podcast is, by acknowledging somebody mm-hmm. uh, for for what they do or, or or how their work, you know, impacts others or what it means to you personally, and so I'm interested in in how you came to that and why you think uh, mm. acknowledging people in that way is important. It's a beautiful thing to do. By Thank the way. you, I appreciate. I it. I wish I'd come up with that. I came to it for, <laughs> to, to be honest. From this workshop I did, we learned a lot about acknowledgement. You know, acknowledgement is a thing that we really. You know, if we think about it, it's almost like the basis of everything we do we want to be acknowledged for. Whether it's through our loved ones, we want to hug, we want to be acknowledged for the work we're doing. Our parents, when we're growing up, we want them to acknowledge us. It's why we work so hard a lot of times is to get that recognition or some type of acknowledgement, whether it's a comment or whatever. And I feel like, um, you know, we we don't get it enough and we don't give it enough. And we wait to acknowledge people until they're not around until they're dead and then we come out and acknowledge them. crisis. Yeah. And we wait until the end of their life and they die. Then everyone comes out and celebrates them when they're dead. Mm -hmm. Why don't we celebrate, create a funeral for everyone every single day where they can experience it when they're alive? What would life look like if we acknowledge people on a daily basis? It doesn't have to be this funeral type for our acknowledgement, but it's just like a, a short, powerful, intentional acknowledgement to show people, say, hey, I see you and I recognize the power inside of you and I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And here's my acknowledgement to you for Mm -hmm. what I see. So I started doing it on my podcast. I had no clue what it would do, but it's interesting whenever I do it, it's interesting to see who can handle it and who can't handle it because a lot of people don't know how to handle it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm interested in. Like, it's very disarming, you know? It's challenging to receive. Like, Mm -hmm. I am... I have been known as the king of not being able to receive anything and years ago. And for the last two years, I've just been practicing daily, like opening up and saying, okay, I'm receiving whatever people want to say about me. I'm not going to deflect it and say, oh, you know, it was nothing. You know, a lot of people deflect yeah, acknowledgement. because it's not comfortable to, like, it's hard oh, to receive help. Exactly. It's hard to ask for help. It's hard to receive praise yeah. when it's heartfelt. Exactly. It's like, it's vulnerable. It's very vulnerable to say it and receive it. That's why people do it when they're not around mm-hmm. because they can say it and not feel like scared of whether they're going to respond. So I started doing it and it's just been, um, you know, sometimes I feel like I connect and resonate with people and it means something, but other times I'm like, who knows? Like they don't really tell me. A right. Lot of they're like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're like, Oh, <laughs> I gotta go. So, uh, uh-huh. I just, I want to set these, I want to be a symbol for people and I want to set an example and constantly be consistent with my word and, acknowledging people. And the thing is, I'm also always acknowledging myself. This is something I never did. I never felt like I was good enough. Even when I would achieve my dreams, my dreams, I would say, well, but I didn't do it as good as I could have, or could have done something. Like I always 
doubted myself or put myself down in some way, even when I was at my top. Mm-hmm. And so I really practiced it as an example to love myself deeper and acknowledge myself and not be so hard on myself even when I messed up or when it doesn't go the way I wanted to or when I hurt someone or when I say the wrong thing. Like, you know what? I still get to acknowledge where I'm at in my life and all the good I am doing. And I get to acknowledge other people. So you do. Doing. So you you apply that that acknowledgement to yourself all the time because yeah. I'm like a recovering alcoholic in the sense of like I've doubted myself and put myself down all the time. Like I'm really good at putting myself down. So I need to constantly do my daily AA mm-hmm. for acknowledgement, and that's why I do it for other people, and then I do it for myself mm-hmm. because you know our emotions is really control us one way or another in a positive way or a negative way and we have the choice on how we want to feel in every moment no matter what happens to or for us and acknowledging ourselves is like a way to heal and hug our heart so that we're okay and we can move forward in a positive way as opposed to just beating our heart and stabbing it by saying you know, I'm not good enough to myself right and that doesn't serve us or anyone else. Right, right, So we right. might as well acknowledge the good we're doing, even though we're not perfect and we never will be. Yeah, I love that. You know, I mean, I think that we all have more control over that story that we tell ourselves mm. about who we are. And most of us walk around and we just accept it. Well, you know, this is how I feel about myself yeah. because this happened and this happened. And we isolate out like things that are occurred and we apply all this meaning to them. And we ignore all these other things that have happened to ourselves as not being informative of whatever that narrative is and to like take control of that narrative and say, let me tell a new story. I'm going to tell this story now and mm-hmm. I'm going to affirm that by acknowledging myself and, and repeating that on a daily basis yeah. to reprogram that I think is an amazing yeah. um, practice to be in. Yeah, it's like it's a meditation cool. practice yeah. every day, you know. So Lewis, I acknowledge you. <laughs> For acknowledging others. <laughs> Thank you. I acknowledge you for acknowledging yourself. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I acknowledge you for being a big, uh, loving spirit mm. who uh, is very open um, and for being somebody who is committed to helping other people, for somebody who is willing to be vulnerable and as somebody who uh, can challenge our status quo ideas of masculinity and carry a higher vibration as an example to other men out there. Mm. It's a beautiful thing that you're doing. Thank you very much. Yeah, I thanks. appreciate it. And I receive it. <laughs> you receive it. Good. I receive it. Good. And I am, I am uh, humble in giving it to you. Thank you. Um, so, of course, we're going to close it down uh, with uh, a version of how you close your podcast down, which is uh, you always ask your guests uh, what their definition of greatness is. Mm-hmm. And I think when I sat down with you the first time, I asked you, what is, of course, what is your definition of greatness? But I, I'm going to tweak that a little bit. and I want to ask you, how has your definition of greatness changed mm-hmm. from episode one of the podcast to now? You know, that's good because I – it evolves based on where my vision's at and based on where I'm at in life. And that's why I'm always interested to ask people what their definition is because it's different for everyone. And, you know, our definition of greatness when we were 10 was probably like to be great in school and to, you know, be good to my family or something, yeah. you know. And so Dr. Like, J. Or- yeah, it always evolves. And um, for me, from episode one, it's probably evolved in a way because I've just been evolving as a human and my emotions have been evolving in my what mattered then doesn't matter as much in my life as what matters now. Can, can you speak to that specifically? Yeah. You know, my impact now, I think before, you know, it, I think before I was still, when I first started the podcast, I was still like 
just driven to to achieve and to make money and to you know be successful. I still had a huge heart and wanted to give to people, but it was like more important to like be successful and things like that. Yeah, I feel like it it started off as like entrepreneurship and yeah. business and how to make money online mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah. And there's been some spiritual growth where now yeah. it's 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 much less about that than it is just about general personal development. Yeah, exactly. It's more about you know being the person we were born to be, and that's not about it's the focus isn't about making money and business and business. That's a part of it. You know, the making money is a part of life, and you want to be successful at that. And I want to you know make millions and billions. You know, it's not that I don't want that. But my definition now, if I'm speaking right in this moment, is to uh, be true to myself and maximizing my talents and gifts and giving them to the world and then making the the greatest amount of impact on the greatest amount of people in the world. That's my definition That's now. That's a good definition. Maximizing my gifts to serve the world and then make the maximum amount of impact on the maximum amount of yeah, people. Yeah. This is another reason why you have to have William McCaskill on your podcast. Okay. He's, he's all about that. Like, how are we um, channeling our resources, our energy, mm-hmm. our dollars, so that we can have the biggest impact on the most number of people? And he's done yeah. some very interesting research that's counterintuitive on mm-hmm. how to actually accomplish that. Well, now I'm going to have to have more. Yeah, so. <laughs> so make um, the intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, you provided one definition of greatness in the introduction of your book that I thought was beautiful. Uh, so I was, I'm just going to close it down by reading yep. it. It's by a guy called Matthew Arnold. I don't know who that is. Who is Matthew Arnold? Great question. I can't remember either now either. <laughs> just a guy with again. a great quote. I found the quote. I was like, yeah. this is perfect. He said, uh, greatness is a spiritual condition worthy to excite love, interest, and admiration. And the outward proof of possessing greatness is that we excite love, interest, and admiration. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing. Powerful. Right? Very. All right, man. Thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate Peace, it. Dude. I appreciate you. Uh, so if you're digging on Lewis, he's super easy to find online. Uh, mm-hmm. School of Greatness podcast on iTunes, lewishouse.com, at yeah. lewishouse, pretty much everywhere else, and yes. greatnessbook.com. That's it. Uh, to learn more about the book. And of course, it's on sale at, on Amazon and everywhere yes. else, right? And so if you're, in, if you're listening to this, the day this comes out, it should be in the octagon, the front and center of Barnes & Noble if you walk into the store. So look for the book there. I didn't know they called it the octagon. That's what I heard what yesterday when they told me. They're like, you're going to be featured in the octagon. <laughs> it sounds so dramatic. Like, What's well, like the circular centerpiece. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, it's perfect. exciting. <laughs> well, based upon all the uh, marketing seeds that you've planted and have been fertilizing for what seems like, you know, months and months and months now, I would imagine mm-hmm. these are all going to uh, blossom uh, on or around October 27th. So perhaps it will be impossible to avoid hearing <laughs> or seeing Lewis by the time this comes off. That's the goal. So uh, yeah, I'm just further saturating the airwaves with the message. And Thank I'm happy you. to do it, man. I love you, buddy. Love I want only great things for you. I'm excited about your book and I uh, can't wait to see it become a great success. Thank you, man. Appreciate all right, it. man. Peace. See you. Plants. Hey, did you guys enjoy that? I think we did it. I thought it was pretty good. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, be sure to pick up a copy of Lewis's new book, The School of Greatness. You can find it basically everywhere books are sold. I have a feeling uh, it's going to be unavoidable. You're going to be seeing Lewis and his book pretty much everywhere because that's the kind of guy Lewis is. He is very much going to be uh, of the zeitgeist, I think, over the next couple weeks. Uh, but why not go ahead and just use the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com to pick it up, and that way we both win. Sound like a plan? I think it's a good plan. Uh, Don't forget to check out the show notes at richroll.com for additional 
articles, background, and other materials and resources related to today's conversation. Uh, again, I put a ton of time into compiling these, so make a point of checking them out. Read up, learn more, take your knowledge base, your podcast experience beyond the earbuds. If you happen to live in LA or you are passing through here, uh, it would mean a lot to me if you checked out a few of the businesses that I'm partnered with. How about having lunch or breakfast or dinner at Joy Cafe? It's our organic, plant-based, and gluten-free eatery in Westlake Village. You'll often find me eating there three or four days a week. So if you want to meet up with me, the best way to do that is not to send me an email and say, hey, can I, uh, can I have a phone call with you or can we go for a run? Uh, especially if I don't know you, but just drop by Joy Cafe. More likely than not, uh, you will see me there around the lunch hour. I'm also partnered with The Karma Baker, which is a vegan and gluten-free bakery, also in Westlake Village. They make amazing vegan plant-based desserts that uh, will delight your sweet tooth. And I got to say, it feels really great to serve the global community with this podcast. Like I said, I've just been traveling. I was just all over Europe. Everywhere I go, I run into people on the street who are podcast fans. It's amazing. It is such an amazing feeling to just randomly bump into people who are impacted and affected by uh, the message that I'm putting out there. It feels great. But you know what's also great? Making sure that you serve your local community. And that's what my involvement in these businesses is all about. And I do that by trying to uh, help facilitate these businesses with food that's consistent with my values. So how about that, right? For all your plant power needs, go to richroll.com. We got our new cookbook, The Plant Power Way. Uh, it's also very much a lifestyle guide, uh, as well as finding ultra copies of both of those books uh, that we will personally sign for you. You can get those through my website. We have Julie's Guided Meditation Program. We have 100% organic cotton garments. We have nutrition products. We have tech tees. We have sticker packs. We have fine art prints. We got all kinds of cool stuff that is oriented and designed to help you take your health and your life to the next level. Keep sending in your questions for future Q&A podcasts to info at richroll.com. Uh, what else can I tell you? We got a couple online courses at mindbodygreen.com, one on plant-based nutrition, the other on goal setting. Go to mindbodygreen.com and click on video courses. Tons of information there about those. Very affordably priced, multiple hours of streaming video content, online community. They're really great courses and very, uh, very affordably priced, and I'm really proud of them. So thank you for supporting the show by telling a friend, sharing it on social media, all that good stuff. Of course, thank you for using the Amazon banner at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. Got some great episodes coming up, amazing interviews with some really extraordinary people. So keep tuning in and uh, keep spreading the word, you guys. Thanks so much. And thank you for taking this journey with me. And I'll see you guys back here in a couple days. Peace. Plants. Yeah.